Hello and welcome to this latest episode of iLoop, Interesting Lives of Ordinary People. Today my guest is Sam, and I'm deliberately not telling you her last name because I want to protect her identity. Now this conversation is a bit bit more like a coaching conversation, although it didn't begin uh, it didn't begin as that. It was really um, Sam coming forward to talk about how her life changed as a result of her um, exposure to alcohol abuse. Um, and it turned into something that I think a number of us will relate to. Uh, a number of us, especially women, will relate to what it feels like to have your identity completely subsumed by the roles we play, whether it's as a partner, a wife, a mother, a grandmother. And I was incredibly um, honored to have her be so vulnerable and so honest and so open about the challenges she's faced and what her life has been all about. Um, I hope very much you enjoy this episode um, and I hope that if you see anything in her story that resonates with you, that you will take something away that will help you see your own life in a new light. Thank you again for joining me. Hi, Sam. So nice to see you. And you, Ro. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for, you know, coming along today to do this with me. And um, the topic that you have chosen uh, for this conversation is about drinking and alcohol and what effect that's had in your life. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about, you know, where it all began? What was your first, you know, experience of living with someone who drank too much? Um, well, basically from when I was a child, um, I'd probably say from the age of about nine or ten, um, my mum and dad were together at that point and they'd both have a drink, etc. cetera. Um, and then obviously things went wrong between them two and their marriage and they split up. And as time went on over the years, it got worse and it would start off with she'd have sherry. Um, and then that just went on into vodka. She was drinking the vodka. But she was what everyone sort of called a functioning alcoholic. As in, she still held down a full-time job, um, you know, run a house, looked after three children. Um, and it wasn't until a few years after that. We, I mean, obviously, being a child, we didn't really pay too much attention to it then, didn't really understand it. And then I suppose it's when my little sister, um, when, when she committed suicide, that's when my mum's drinking really did take a turn for the worse, which everybody understood that. Um, and I mean, that tore our family apart, as you can imagine, but her drinking, it just got way, way out of hand. And, you know, obviously I'd grown up more by then. I was sort of 20 then. I'd had two children by myself. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, I just... She ended up losing her job um, and then we had to sell the house and then she'd come ill. So, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was just a really, really difficult time until in the end when she got um, a hospital appointment, she had to go to the hospital 
and they said one more drink and you're you're dead and it was at that point you know I went with her to that hospital appointment and I said to her you know mum you've I know you've been through hell, et cetera, but you still have two daughters left. You still have two grandchildren that need you. Now's the time. And she ended up being hospitalised. And, yeah, it was was a really, really tough, tough, tough time. And it took a long time. And, you know, fair play to my mum. She's never had a drink since. Um, But, yeah, when she became sober, it was almost... Like I had to get to know a whole new person again. I didn't know who this sober person was. I always knew my mum was drunk mum, you know. Um, and sometimes she could be like quite a nasty drunk, you know, when she was drinking back in the day. But, yeah, she, now she's like, well, she's a completely different person now, you know. And I love mum. I idolise my mum. And I don't, I don't blame her for what happened you know for her drinking because at the end of the day it's an illness you know it's not something she just decided to wake up one day and think oh I'm going to be an alcoholic today it was just something that progressed over time and you know I found that people with drink problems and stuff that does make them quite selfish people actually even though my mum done everything she possibly could to make sure me and my sister were okay and the grandkids, she was a great nan, you know, she was always fun drunk nan or and then or horrible nan and like some of the abuse I'd get from her sometimes was, you know, she swung bags around at my head and all sorts in the past and I've always found that quite hard to deal with. So I always said when I become an adult, you know, I'd I'd never drink or anything. And I have, I've had drink and maybe at one point I could have said quite easily I would have ended up on that slippery slope myself, especially when I ended up with my ex-partner because he was a drinker. And it always sort of seemed that whatever relationships I found myself in, I always seemed to end up in a relationship with someone who was a drinker because it's all I seemed to know. You know, when I was younger, we got brought up in the pub life. My mum and dad used to work in pubs and stuff. Um so, yeah, it's just always been around me my entire life. And then, you know, when I got with Gav, I found myself drinking every day. And that become a very <laughs> destructive relationship, you know, until I found the courage after nine years to leave him. And, I mean, he's still drinking. I mean, we're still friends, but he's still drinking. And I just think it's quite sad, really, that these people just can't see past the bottom of a beer can you know there's more to life but that's just what they do but that's why I'm so proud of my mum because she did she see there was more to life she had her family even though she'd lost a daughter she still had two daughters and two grandchildren and our family's gotten bigger since then my sister went on to have two children obviously my daughter Abby's had two children so my mum's now got two great grandchildren and it's and it's nice and we enjoy life and when we go out for meals and stuff, you know, it's always we'll all try not to drink around my mum. Because even my mum even says to this day, I'm still only ever that one drink away. Sometimes she still does fancy a drink. And, you know, I think we're like 15 to 18 years down the line now from when my mum had a drink. But she says, you know, you are, you're always gonna be that recovering alcoholic. It never really leaves you. Yeah. So, yeah.
<laughs> there's there's so many questions that are coming to my mind from that, Sam. So, um, so when was it your mom and dad splitting up that really pushed your mom into drinking, or were they was she already were they both drinking because they were working in a pub then where it was normalized? Yeah, they, I think when I mean my, when I was really little, my dad had two jobs. He used to work in a factory, and uh, which was shift work he used to do, and he used to. Um, be a minicab driver as well um and my mum had various different jobs and she worked in offices or bar work as I said or whatever and I think it started off I think they just have a little drink of an evening nothing major really and I just suppose obviously when things went sour between my mum and dad um I think that was probably when it did start more with my mum her drinking you know she found the divorce hard and it was a tough time and lots of things happened. I was a bit of a wild child, you know, and I ended up in care myself. And, I, and one of the reasons that when I come back out of care, I said, I'll go back home to my mum if she stops drinking. So my mum then used to hide her bottles of vodka around the house, you know, so, and then I'd find them and I'd empty the vodka out and fill it with water and, stuff and it caused lots of arguments so yeah I think it probably was when my mum and dad split I think that's when it really started to become a problem um and then as I said you know when when my little sister passed away that's when it really turned her over the edge then understandably what was what was how old was your sister what's her name what was Susie Susie and she was 16 she was how long how old she was 16. 16. Mm. And did did you see it coming? Was she depressed or was there anything at all that indicated? Um, don't know. We put put it down to a teenager, <laughs> you know, mood swings and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, my mum found her and, I, you know, you wouldn't wish that on anybody to find a child like that. So, and obviously that's something that will haunt my mum for the rest of her life. Yeah. But, um yeah I don't know really <laughs> just that's when the alcohol really took a grip I think after Susie died yeah I mean it it's obviously the trauma there's so much trauma that alcohol sometimes just it's the only thing that numbs it doesn't it and you want to try and yeah. get away from it and and for you as a child you know seeing all of that must have been I can't even imagine well like I said I was a bit of a wild one I went off the rails but you know, after <laughs> after Susie died, I mean, I was I wasn't living at home then because I'd had my two children by then. Um, so I kind of was out of it a little bit. You know, I was living in, in in my flat with the kids, and it did affect everybody. You know, my mum's drinking. Yeah, it was just it was just a, hor- a horrible, horrible dark time towards the end. You know, with, before she managed to kick it, so to speak, stop the drink. It was, it was just, it was awful, absolutely yeah. awful for her to lose her job, lose the house, you know, it was just horrible. And I just, it was sad and it was sad to watch and, it, and there was nothing I could do until, like I said, we had this hospital appointment and we went and that's when they said she already had cirrhosis of the liver, so there was no more they could do to fix that. And they just said, you know, one more drink, Mrs Barker, and that's it, you're going to be dead, so... And I think the realisation of that and hearing that from a doctor, 
I think it did scare her, you know, and and obviously me tearing strips off her and saying, you know, you've, I know Susie's not here no more, but I still need you. My kids still need their nan. My sister still needs her mum. So, you know, and thank God she she did. She sorted it out finally. That was her wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about you, Sam. So you've you've also been through so much. You know, I mean, we've known each other what 10, 12 years. I can't remember how long. Feels like forever. But, yeah. Uh, and and in that time I've seen you go through so many ups and downs. Um, and I'm I'm just interested to know how you have managed to stay, you know, away from a path which is people would have understood if you'd also gone down a similar path because that's what you you came to you know see with your parents your mum in particular how did you what was it that made you realize that that was not for you I think because I know how it felt (laughs) you know having to put up with it all the time and how destructive it is and having the two children myself and I just thought I'm I'm not going to put that on them. You know, they 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 don't deserve that. I didn't deserve it. No one wants no one wants to go through all that, you know. And I was adamant I were, I wasn't going to do that to my children. And also because my mum, I mean, she was a great nan, even though she would drink at the time. But and my kids obviously they idolise their nan, um, and they used to see it sometimes with my mum, and they'd say, "Oh, do we have to go to nanny's? Nanny's had a drink again." You know, and I just thought, it's what, so they saw it with my mum as well, even though there was little, they probably don't remember it now because obviously they've grown up and stuff. But, um, yeah, I just thought, I'm not doing that to my kids. They don't deserve that. And don't get me wrong, as I said, there's been times when I nearly did, you know, as I said, when I was my Jake would always say, you know, why are you putting up with this? You, you don't deserve this. Jake would get really angry and frustrated with me as to why I did put up with it for as long as I did. And for that, I do apologize. Even now, I still apologise to him for that and Abby because I can't change it. I don't know where I was at in my head at the time. Um, And, you know, I did love Gav because, you know, and I always thought, well, my mum stopped drinking. Maybe he will. Maybe I can help him. Because you do, you think you can help these people. But that's something I've realised as I've gotten older and stuff. Unless these people are prepared and willing to help themselves, there's absolutely nothing me or anyone else can do to help them. So that's why in the end I had to make that decision with Gav and, you know, called me quit. So I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't fair on the kids to see it anymore. I mean, even my son now, he'll still, because I mean, me and Gav are still friends. I've got his granddaughter, you know, so we have to get on. But even my son, they say, he still loves Gav. They get on great, but he was just a crap partner. And the drinking just destroyed everything and literally destroyed everything. So um, it's it's so interesting how even though all the red flags are there, you know, how often we walk into relationships that, you know, on paper, just you can tell they're not going to work. And yet those relationships seem to draw us together. Um, What do you think you've learned from that experience with Gav and maybe kind of looking back and seeing where things went wrong? 
you know, how has that influenced your next relationship? Um, well, I'm currently at the moment, not sure if I'm in a relationship at the minute. <laughs> that's all gone wrong as well, but that's for other reasons. Um, I don't know, really, because it just seems so common, alcohol. It's everywhere you go. Everybody seems to do it. I'm not saying everybody's an alcoholic, but, you know, people might come home from work and they might have just a glass of wine or just a beer or something. Um, and I think with, with lockdown as well, and I have done, I've sometimes I've just been bored and I've had a drink, not because I wanted it, I was bored. So I'm quite glad I'm going back to work next week, some normality back in my life. And as I said, I don't, when I'm working and stuff and I've got the kids, I don't drink because one, I can't afford it. And two, I just, it scares me because it is, it is a slippery road to go on and it's easy, it's easy to get on that road. Yeah. Um, so what about your relationship with yourself? Because I think at the end of the day, I wonder if it's all about, you know, how we see ourselves and until we actually learn to really love ourselves mm -hmm. unconditionally, completely, we, we may not be able to find the right person. Yeah, well, I've kind of given up thinking that the right person is out there anymore because I just think they're all the same. But now I look in the mirror at myself and I'm looking a bit weathered these days, to be honest. I'm thinking, oh, my God, you're 44. Where's that time gone, you know? And for such a long time, I've been a mum, I've been a nan, I've been someone's partner or running, you know, and I've, I did forget for a long time who's Sam. Who am I? What do I like? What do I want in life? What do I want to do? And now, and as I'm getting older, I, you know, I've said to some of my friends, I'm sort of, well, maybe it's called a bucket list, I don't know, but there's things I want to do, you know, I want to go travelling, I want, there's things I want to see, things I want to experience, you know, and up until now, I've not really had the opportunities to do that because I've been mum, I've been nan, or I've been whatever, you know, just like many people, really, I've had other responsibilities. So now I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, start saving some money again. If, if I'm back on my own, I'm back on my own. I can live with that. I'm quite happy on my own. <laughs> less drama, less chaos. And, um, yeah, and I just, I want to go, you know, and the kids, I want to take them abroad. I want them to experience things and... Um, See, there I go again, kids. I want to take the kids. <laughs> because that is my world, though, Ro, you know. They are. My family are my world. My kids, my grandkids, the whole lot. They're everything to me. That's that's what I concentrate on. That's who I am. I'm mum and I'm nan. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. And I think that the having that sort of world around you has kept you grounded, you know, mm. been your big, bigger purpose, which has probably helped you to stay, you know, stay off excessive levels of alcohol and all the rest of it but I think I think it's it's fair question when you look in the mirror and you see you um I wonder if that's where your Mr Mrs Wright or Miss Wright is that's <laughs> inside of you and I think oh. once you realize that then actually things fall into place mm. I mean great things have you know in the last couple of years things have been a bit of a struggle with one one thing or another I'm not going to lie But also with this whole lockdown thing, I've learned a lot of stuff and I've had no one here because Jake moved out, Abby moved out with the kids. My little Lily went to her real mum's for lockdown and stuff. So 
all of a sudden I found myself here all on my own and I've not ever been on my own. Mm. And I was upset. I cried for days because I really felt unneeded, unwanted, you know, like I've served my purpose now sort of thing. The kids have fled the nest. And it took me quite a long time and I did. I was sat around moping and drinking stupid amounts of tea. And I thought, you know what, just pull your big knickers up, Sam. Come on, do something constructive. So I did. And I started to decorate my house. And, um, you know, I don't like decorating, but I'd done it. And I was proud of myself. I achieved it. Um, you know, and I just, I'd done things for me, what I want. And it was nice doing it, knowing that nothing was going to get destroyed. Nothing was going to get smashed up this time. You know, I could have it how I wanted so it was quite good for me in that sense, you know, where I was here on my own and I did put my time to good use and knowing that it was, again, it was mine. It's not perfect, but it's mine. <laughs> no one can destroy it for me. I just want to get back to talking about you and your relationship with yourself. You know, you you talked about how you realise you've become, you know, a mom, a, a nan and all those sort of labels that we often find ourselves uh, with because of the roles we play um and at what point I wonder you would be willing to just focus on you and do what's right for you is there is there a time where you think okay now my work is done now I can focus on me I don't know really to be honest with you I don't I don't really know I don't know I mean I mean, my son's nearly 27 now. So, I mean, they're adults. Abby will be 25 this year. So my job is sort of a mum. I mean, you're always going to be a mum anyway till the day you die. That's just, that's what it is. Um, obviously, they're not dependent on me like they were when they were little. Um, obviously, I have Lily and then she's going to be 10 this year. So I suppose I've still got a dependent looking, you know, who I've got to look after. So I'm still mum till... She decides to grow up and flee the nest. Um, but apart from that, really, I, I don't know about me. Because like I said, when everyone moved out and they'd all gone and stuff, I was totally lost because I just thought, well, who am I now? What do I do now? I did, I, because I was a young mum, you know, I was pregnant when I was 16 with Jake and I had him when I was 17. So I was a young mum. So that's all I've known all my life you know I've sort of grown up with my children and then my daughter was a young mum so she made me a very young nan <laughs> you know and so yeah that's all I know that's all I, I am is mum and nan so now they're sort of growing up and whatever it's like well now who am I now what do I do <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so yeah. I, I haven't got a clue how to answer that really <laughs> imagine you had your chance again as as a young Sam you know um but I, I'm also more sort of thinking about the joy that you ex would have liked to have experienced. You know, if if your life had been different as a child, you know, um, what things could you have done? And the reason I ask you these questions, because I also think that however old we are, you know, we have the opportunity to almost do the right things for the child that's still in us, you know, because mm -hmm. little Sam is still inside you. <laughs> and and however old you are, you you still have the opportunity now to be the loving parent that perhaps you didn't have at the time because you know your mum was full of her own traumas and mm. not really present. 
And now's your chance, you know, when your children don't need you as much anymore, your grandchildren also are growing up, um, to, to, you know, be that parent that you would have loved to have had for yourself and do things that would make the child in you really happy. Mm. So thinking about it in that way, what else is on your bucket list? Obviously, travel is one of the things. What yeah, travel is a big one for me that I'd really yes. love to do. Also, to have the money to be able to afford to go travelling. Because <laughs> um, obviously, I mean, I, the job I did, I work in a school kitchen now. That wasn't my life choice career. As I said, I wanted to do hairdressing, but it fell in with the kids. So I've had to work around. the. That's what I mean. Everything I've done in my life has had to work around the children. Yeah. So, so yeah, with the with the work side of it. But again, see that job I only do because I have Lily, because she's still in primary school, and I've been thinking about career change as well when she starts secondary school. And then I think, what would I want to do though? So the hairdressing thing's still in the back of my mind, but I think, well, I haven't done it for such a long time. I probably have to retrain and update everything. And then I think, do I want to go through all that again of, you know, retraining? And But then I, then I don't know. So I, I think about that because I, I would like to do that. Or do I want a complete career change to something completely different? And then I don't know what I want to do. I haven't got a clue. Um, you know, so that's the thing I keep I keep thinking about, work, like job-wise. Um, and as I said, the travelling thing's a big thing for me. There's lots of things I want to do. Like becoming a midwife, but that's quite a long. Uh, I think that's like three years training or whatever you have to do. And I think, oh, mm. if I can do that now, you know, I'm thinking I'm 44 now, three years. That takes me up to, well, I'm not far off of 50. Do I really want to start doing all that when I'm nearly 50? I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. Maybe I'm having a little midlife crisis at the moment. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose the key thing is that if I think about, what we want as children is we want to see our parents happy. I think seeing our parents happy is the thing that makes children feel happy. And oh, settled. absolutely, yeah. You know, and I think if I think back what how you and your sisters felt at the time is you sensed your mother's deep unhappiness mm. and the fact that she was trying to hide that unhappiness with alcohol. <clears throat> mm. And I suppose now... Now that you're a mum yourself, you know, you've got grandchildren, um, it might be just help, helpful to remind yourself that actually the best thing you can do for them is to be happy and mm. to focus on you for a change. Yeah, yeah, focus on me. <laughs> it's nice to be able to have the time to do that, to be honest, now, you know. But it's took me a little while to think about that focus on me think about me who I am what I want you know because as I said from me being a teenager all my life I've just been mum or whatever now I've done that job I do still sit here sometimes I think well now what <laughs> so I, would, just, I have a sort of final maybe final couple of questions for you so if you were to <clears throat> I want you to imagine that all the things that are holding you back today you know whether it's money worries you know um, sort of worrying about you know caring for your you know family etc whatever they are just imagine that they all kind of melt away you know you find solutions for everything everyone's self-sufficient everything's taken care of and you are living life as you want it 
So it's a fulfilled life. You know, you're happy. Uh, you are doing the thing you love. You know, you've got enough money. So you're not worrying about your next paycheck. So I want you to kind of just imagine how that feels. And then tell me the first thing that pops into your head. If you're going to close your eyes and you imagine that you are in that life, you know, it could be uh, 12 months from now, it could be 24 months, I don't know. But oh. you're there. And this Sam that we're looking at is like in a very different place, mentally, emotionally, you know. It sounds like absolute bliss. <laughs> what do you see yourself doing in that in that new life that you have created? I don't know, just contentment. I'd be content. If I knew everything was okay and I didn't have no worries, I'd be content, happy. I don't really know. Because to me, that just sounds like a dream. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it'll ever be reality. You just think that's just a long distant dream, that is. It'd be nice if it ever happened. That just sounds amazing. And maybe that will happen one day, you know, if I set my goals, must you know, I can reach them maybe. But, you know, for the time being, I think that's a little way off yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. But I think this, this is the thing, you've got to give yourself permission to believe that it is possible. And yeah. in your head, you kind of let, allow that sort of, that vision to just slightly grow and become a clearer picture. So you can actually see what, not just the feeling of contentment and joy, but slowly you're going to build on that and you're going to start to see what you're actually doing in that life, you know. So how, how we would physically sort of go away on holiday to have a break, you know, this becomes your mental place to go away, to take a break from whatever it is in your life that's bothering you. As you're there, you start to explore that place and slowly things come to you and slowly things become clearer or what it is you're meant to do. Uh, and I think for me, the, the thing I want to just remind you is that you helped your mum to quit alcohol. Do you, do you have any idea how, how amazing that is? Yeah, I mean, wow. so um, you've just got to believe that it's possible, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with having the life you have today. You know, you think you've built a life, you know, from scratch. Uh, and a lot of other people might have still struggled and not even got to where you are today. So I think, first of all, I would say to you, congratulate yourself for getting to where you are, for the things you've done. And then say, well, you know what? There's so much more to me in my life. And I've still got, you know, years in me. Well, that's that's what I try and look at. You know, I, I don't I try not to feel sorry for myself. I know we all do sometimes, but I've always I've always been one of these people where who I just think, you know, there's always people out there a lot worse off than I am, you know, and I should be grateful for what I've got, where I am. Yeah, I moan sometimes and I get fed up with stuff sometimes, just like everybody else. But I do, I just think, you know what, Sam, it's not that bad. You know, there's people out there in far worse conditions than yourself. Who, Absolutely. And I, am bad. I think gratitude, <laughs> gratitude is an amazing thing and we must all practice gratitude. But I would say that being grateful for what you have does not mean you can't want more. Just believe that, that that life of contentment, joy, fulfillment, where for a change, you are the center of your universe, just for a little while. I'm not saying, you know, that you ignore everyone else, but just focus on you, because if you don't look after you, you know, no one else. No one will. else is going to look after me, are they? <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not saying that you know your children don't care for you, but ultimately, ultimately, you know, we all have to take responsibility for ourselves, and we all need to, you know, give ourselves the best chance to live the life that we deserve. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. So maybe my my dream's not too far away then. Definitely not. So now, now we've talked about that. I want you to revisit that place, and I want you to just tell me that. Imagine, imagine the it's twenty twenty two, second of March, twenty twenty two, a year from now, right? We're having a like a catch up call. You say to me, Ro, you're not going to believe it, but you know that conversation we had a year ago. Well, it's it's all coming true, and my life is amazing, and you know. I'm doing a job that I absolutely love. You know, my kids are all settled and, you know, my grandchildren are growing up beautifully. And so I said to you, wow, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Tell me more. And so you are telling me about your life. Okay, so I want you to kind of just close your eyes and imagine we're in March 2022. Mm. And you are telling me about your life as if you are living it now. Mm. Well, I can see myself in a salon because it's I'm a very much a people person. I like to get on with people and that kind of industry, I would flourish in that, I think. So, yeah, I think I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy there. I'd, I'd do all right. Have my own business, which is what I always wanted. And, you know, if it's a case of me retraining, I'll retrain, but... Yeah, that's where, or even not my own business, even if I'm working for someone else, but just to be doing something that I've always wanted to do, I'd I'd be happy there. Yeah, I'd be happy. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. I can totally see you. I mean, you've got such a lovely manner. I I can completely see you doing that and loving that. So there you go. You you put out your intention and you put out your sort of vision for what you want. I would say embrace the training because it's a great way to learn, you know, the newest techniques and the new, you know, trends and whatever. I mean, but in every industry, any career, if you want to stay fresh, if you want to stay relevant, you need to keep learning and training. And I think people who don't do that are the ones who end up then becoming stale and, you know, will lose business. Try and fit some training in outside of job at my job at the moment. And, you know, and then as and when I'm ready to leave this job, then hopefully I'll be trained up and I can go straight into doing it. Sounds brilliant. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much, Sam. It's been such a pleasure. And you, and likewise. <laughs> and look after yourself. And uh, I look forward to having that catch up in a year's time. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Hopefully I can be in my happy place. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not send the link to someone you know? You can also leave us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, send me an email on info at rohini-rator.co.uk. I'd also love to hear from you with your direct feedback on what you enjoyed about this podcast and how we can make it better. If you enjoy listening to stories of ordinary people doing interesting and extraordinary things, then why not subscribe so you never miss an episode? The music for this podcast was created by Mike Pearl. If you're looking for original music for your audio or video content, you can get in touch with him on mp969696 at hotmail.com.